Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Menu Podcast. I am really excited to chat with Kendra today. Before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about the weather, of course, which is something we talk about all the time in agriculture, but (laughs) it's so interesting to be able to live in the same state, and we are probably nine-ish, ten hours away currently, and she's not even on the eastern side of the state. So it is always a journey when we get to talk to other Montanans. So thanks for being here, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't you start by just giving me a little bit of background and history on you and how you're involved in the ag industry? Yeah. So I grew up in Geraldine, Montana, which is kind of the north central part of the state. A very small community, very agricultural based community. Um, and my family has a small cow-calf operation. Um, we put up a little bit of hay, but really the main area of agriculture that I've grown up in and around is the agribusiness side of it. So my family owns Joyce Fuel and Feed stores in Geraldine, Geyser, and Fort Benton. And those stores are basically a non or a one-stop shop for anything you need agriculture-based. They they sell feed, bagged, liquid. They sell egg chemical, fuel, just trying to meet the needs of the communities around there and, and make it so they don't have to make a f- big trip into town or whatever it might be to be able to support their farmer ranch. So I grew up really mainly in that side of agriculture, uh, but I got, of course, a taste of it all through our cow-calf operation, but also through just through neighbors and being down at the business and hearing their perspectives of their place. It's been really fun to get to grow up in that area of agriculture. Yeah. Now that you say your, it must be your maiden name. Lewis. Yep. Okay. Um, and, oh, and, and this, sorry, Joyce is my maiden name. Lewis okay. is now my married name. Okay. Yeah. So once you say that name, it definitely rings a bell. Um, <laughs> I went to college with probably some of your cousins or something to that nature at MSU, because that name really um, rings a bell. And I love the Geraldine area. I always used to tell people that my dream location to live in Montana was Stanford, Montana, which is really funny because hardly anyone lives there. And there's not a ton (laughs) of amenities or anything. But when I was a kid, that's where we'd go pick out my 4-H lamps. And so I just had such a great experience of that little community mm-hmm. that I always would tell people that was like that area is sort of my dream area of um, Montana. And so you're from close to there. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about what you do now and how you're still involved in the ag industry. Yeah. So I went on to MSU myself and graduated um, with my bachelor's in health and human performance. And then quickly after that, probably about six months after that, I got to go on and chase my dreams of becoming an occupational therapist. So I went to Rocky Mountain College in Billings to get my doctorate in occupational therapy. And that's really where the Cutting Fences Foundation journey began. 
mostly through my capstone, um, doctoral capstone experience and discovering that farmers and ranchers who were living in our state with a disability or an illness uh, really had no resources for the most part that were specific to their lifestyle and just being in rural areas, we have a lack of resources anyway. So that's where this all began. And so I founded Cutting Fences Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that serves farmers, ranchers, and veterans in agriculture living with a disability or illness. Um, And we have a few different areas of service, but our main focus right now is our Ag Equip Loan Closet, which is an agricultural-specific adaptive equipment loan closet housing some of those um, more larger pieces of adaptive equipment. Right now we have an action track chair, which is a power wheelchair with tracks on it. Um, That was funded through the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. And then we just got, I just opened it and got it out of the box yesterday, actually, our freedom tracks, which is similar to the action track chair, but it's a set of tracks that the individual is able to roll up onto with their manual wheelchair and then get basically wherever they need and want to go. As we know, um, Farm and ranches in rural areas are not paved areas. So getting around in a wheelchair, uh, especially just your standard manual wheelchair, can be really difficult and challenging. So these pieces of equipment really offer them access to where they need to go. And then I'm working towards building more inventory. Some of the things I'm working towards is um, an adaptive side-by-side and a few other pieces of mobility equipment, but then getting some of those really agricultural-specific things like the transfer lifts that help individuals get into tractors and things like that. So the idea around the Egg Equipment Closet is that farmers and ranchers can use these for extended periods of time, whether they want to use these pieces of equipment for harvest or calving or a hunting trip or whatever it might be, they have access to them. But it also allows them the opportunity to try them out. They're not available to do the try before you buy feature. And so if you spend a lot of -of out-of-pocket money and it ends up not being a fit for you, it's just a lot of money wasted in 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 a way so that offers them that opportunity too um, and it also allows them if they're new uh, to an injury if they've just recently had a spinal cord injury or whatever it might be to use these piece of equipment until they get their own I've had clients tell me that it's taken them three years to get what they actually need to be fully functional and operational on their farmer ranch so as you can imagine, Farming and ranching doesn't wait three years for you, for you to get set up. So this allows them the equipment to, to loan out. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think that rural America, the resources just are not there like we see in other places. And to kind of give a little bit of a story about why I think this is such a cool idea that you have is my dad suffered from throat cancer. And so last summer, we actually moved to Texas, to Houston for three months for him to go through radiation treatment at MD Anderson. He and I did. We rented a little apartment. It was a great time. And on our way back from Houston, we drove to Houston. On our way back from Houston, we stopped and shipped cattle and in Kilgore, Idaho. And I think we spent two or three days shipping cattle. And I mean, he had just come off three months of radiation, throat, you know, cancer, And we got back home. And of course, he's a little tired, but I mean, man just goes right back to work, which is 100% the work (laughs) ethic he taught us to have, right? We So that was in September. So we got home in September. We were there July, August, and September. And 
we go back for a follow-up. He has a follow-up in December, early part of December. And we sit down in the office and the doctor said, have you gone back to work? And my dad said, yeah, I have. And he said, okay, so about only about 30% of patients, 20 to 30% of patients at this point have returned to work. How much are you working? And I was like, 80 hours a week? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. And it just was really interesting to me. I mean, just right then, right? And we're talking about an illness, cancer. And my dad fared very well through radiation, didn't have to have a feeding tube or anything like that. But it's like when you are in charge of living things, cattle, plants, it doesn't just stop like it does for other people. And of course, you know, there's a ton of different factors, income and all of that for luxuries. But it wasn't even an option for us to really take a break more than what we felt like we had already taken a break. And I can't imagine how some of these farmers and ranchers feel when they have an injury or an illness that requires them to have a little bit more assistance. And there's just nothing out there on the market. And I'm sure they feel like their hands are tied. I mean, they know Mm -hmm. they have to be out there, right? They have something growing, whether it be cattle or crops. And there's just not the resources to get them into the spot they need to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's another kind of piece of the puzzle of all this is being being an advocate to really help the healthcare profession understand that better, that they don't, they don't live a, in a box of they can just take time off and, and not, like you say, go back to work. It's not really an option. So being able to be an advocate has been a big part of my journey through Cutting Fences too, is that it doesn't stop. Like agriculture never stops. So uh, we've got to find a way to to help them so that they can be successful and, and be safe, I think is the biggest piece too, is that, and that's really the avenue of adaptive equipment that I've loved so much is that you can sit in a clinic and tell a farmer or rancher they can't get on their horse to brand or whatever it might be after a hip replacement or whatever it is. You can tell them that, but you know darn well they're going to go do that somehow, some way. And so being able to just understand that and swallow, swallow your pride a little bit, but be able to offer them safe options if they are going to do that. And I think that this adaptive equipment really does does that is, okay, you're going to do this, but how do we make sure that you safe are safe doing it and that you're not going to injure yourself worse or, you know anything like that. So it's been fun to be able to have these conversations with people in healthcare and help them gain a little bit of cultural competence. Are you wanting to start a farm to table business but don't know where to begin? Caroline and Grayson have been exactly where you are. That's why we decided to host Scaling Farm to Table Behind the Scenes with the Rancher's Daughter this fall on October 12th through 15th in Kalispell, Montana. During this event, you will learn insider information like how to ship across the country and how to price your product. If you want a place to start, this is the perfect event for you. You can sign up now at cattlemenulive.com backslash 2023-farm-2-table-event. Absolutely. One of the things that I was thinking about as you're talking is a lot of times, and I'm sure a lot of your clients are employee, not employees, owners of operations, or they had been there before 
in the operation. And when I'm thinking about hiring, you know, of course you can't discriminate against disabilities and that's not what we want to do. But this just, I can just see this whole like spot opening up where we can now be able to hire someone who maybe is in a wheelchair. I mean, all Mm -hmm. of that, right? These people who have a passion for agriculture and maybe had a disability that's really held them back from applying for some jobs or being able to chase their dreams. I can only imagine how important it is to have those people in the industry. And it feels like you are going to be the gatekeeper to allow us to be able to hire and get some of these people in the industry. Well, thank you. <laughs> I can sure hope that I, I can do that. But I will say that in regards to that too, Montana Vocational Rehab has been a wonderful partner with Cutting Fences so far in regards to work in agriculture with a disability. They have covered a $50,000 lift for a rancher and they've been amazing for trying to cover this equipment that makes jobs like this possible. So yeah, I would say that there really are no limits. I mean, adaptive equipment, new things are coming out every day and and the agricultural population is very innovative themselves. So I think that there's tons of opportunities for for people to get into agriculture if they aren't already or to continue in it, whether they have a disability or not. Because it's one of the things I always talk about, right, is if you want to be a part of feeding the world, we need you in the industry. And so just, you know, we'll list all the resources you talked about in the show notes, but I think there are so many resources out there that producers don't even know about, whether it be for them, a family member, someone they're looking to employ, someone they're looking to partner with. And part of probably your struggle in the business is just getting people to realize there are resources and getting people to then start to utilize the resources. And so talk a little bit, you know, you mentioned that grant to get some adaptive equipment, but what other resources are out there for people in rural communities who are in agriculture, you know, who have a disability or an illness or are looking to make their operation more suitable to employ someone? Yeah, well, you hit it right on the head is that you can talk till you're blue in the face about these resources and you still haven't probably captured half of the population. So I appreciate opportunities like this to get on the podcast and talk about these resources um, and get the word out because like you said, there's so much out there that people don't know about. In Montana, there's, like I said, vocational rehab has been amazing. And I would just say that if you're looking for resources, it's, it's very client specific on what you're trying to find usually. And so I love to be a gatekeeper for that and brainstorm things and and do my own research of how we can try and find. I think the biggest barrier is funding usually. Um, Insurance doesn't cover these pieces of equipment. So finding funding to to cover this is huge. Uh, It's something that I am dedicating almost every day right now to trying to build up a network to to be able to fund not only this as a loan equipment, but to be able to fund it for them permanently as they they will likely need it for the rest of their lives. So as far as Montana resources, like I said, Voc Rehab, and then please reach out if you're looking to find more. Our Montana Department of Egg has been amazing for cutting fences so far, Farm Bureau. Everyone wants to help out. So 
we can brainstorm together and they're out there no no matter what. As far as other states, not every state, but some states have an agorability program, which is similar to kind of the model that cutting fences works around. They don't supply the equipment, but they, they do an amazing job of helping farmers, ranchers, and veterans living with a disability continue in agriculture. And then, yeah, like I said, it's, it's just a matter of finding those grants and, and a lot of our banks and just our organizations have been great about creating mini, pro, mini grant programs. And so all of that helps. And uh, we're working towards hopefully within the next few years trying to create a low interest loan program for some of this equipment for farmers and ranchers. So they're not having to put it on their high interest operating loan and and deal with that piece of it. But the other uh, resource in our state that I will mention that is incredible is Montec, which is our state's assistive technology program. They have a lending library of, I think, over 3,000 pieces of equipment, whether it need they need something for just everyday tasks in their home. Um, they have communication pieces. They've got just about anything you can imagine in regards to assistive technology. And every state has one of those programs. So I would definitely reach out to them and, and they're a great resource to find other, other resources as well. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, sometimes the hardest part is just figuring out the resources. It's almost like you need a map before you can get started. But, and this might be more, this might be a hard question. So, but why (laughs) do you think in agriculture that we, like what kind of success stories have you worked with? Or like, why do we need to encourage people with illnesses, disabilities, veterans to stay in the industry? Like, why do you feel that that is so important? Not just because, you know, legally we have to make a way for them, but like, what are some success stories, some ways that you feel that those people bring such a valuable piece that the industry would be missing without them? Um, I just think that in agriculture, whether you live with a disability or not, agriculture means something more to you than just a job. And so when you're disconnected from that, it can take a toll on your overall, overall well-being. And so I would say that they uh, they know the reasons why they need to stay in it, and that's usually because it's it's a part of them. It really is. And as far as success stories, it's just been it's been amazing to be able to offer just like the track chair. I have a Roy farmer rancher, Roy Montana farmer rancher, using that right now. And go when the day that I went and dropped it off, it was like so eye opening to me to see that. I mean, with his manual wheelchair, he can hardly get to his vehicle even. I mean, we know what driveways look like on farms and ranches. And so just to be able for him to to get out and to get go catch his horse, to go fence, to go spray weeds, it means so much to your to your mental health as much as your physical health. And so I think that's a, a really big piece of it too. But yeah, I, I I just think that agriculture is is bigger than a job. And so just being able to continue to do what you love is is everything. And that's really what I'm here to help them do. That's what I think too. It's like the fuel that keeps them getting up every day and working on physical therapy and working on their skills is their job. I mean, which it's not a job, it's a lifestyle, right? But like the fact that they can get up and ranch every day or get up and farm, it's way more. It's almost like the light that they need every single day. And I can only imagine, you know, the handful of 
um, people I'm running through in my head. You know, we have a, a neighbor who's in a wheelchair full time and just watching him adapt and and how he functions and, you know, the support that we get to offer him and go. My brother goes and helps him sort his cattle on the challenging days just because he needs extra hands because mm-hmm. he can't get in the pen. But I just can't imagine our world without them in it. And so I hope that people who are listening like we can realize how much one it means for them to stay in the industry, but how much it means for the industry that they are still in it and to get them back and to allow them to know that the world's their oyster. And you're right. Technology is so cool. I watch some of those people on TikTok. I'm sure that you've seen some of them who, I mean, this one guy is paralyzed. I think from the neck down, he can't really even use his hands very well. He has this big old truck that they lift him into with like five or six seatbelts. You know, I mean, like Mm -hmm. it is so cool where we've come from just 20 years ago. And I'm excited that rural America seems to be catching up because we know that resources and time and all of that seems to be a little slower in rural America. And so I can only imagine what it's going to look like in 20 years from now. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I think just... We need people to stay in agriculture just in general. I mean, you just like you wouldn't want your neighbor to to sell their place and and not be in agriculture anymore. They're the same way. They just they want to keep doing what they love um, from what I've gathered and and to just live a normal, full, purposeful life. And to be able to help them do that is is a true blessing, and I'm very, very grateful. fall, we're bringing you the only all-in-one resource for the seed stock industry, the Breeders' Edge, a seed stock cattle marketing summit, will be a two-day knowledge-packed virtual conference on all things seed stock, deep diving into production, marketing, and operational insights. Some of the topics we will cover are embryo transfer, reproduction, foot design, livestock risk protection insurance, seed stock nutrition, structure, utilizing social media, Facebook, Instagram, website design, catalog design, photo and video, email marketing, hosting your own website auction, up-leveling your services, budgeting, and successful succession planning. We will have experts in every topic. Registration for this event doesn't open until July 13th. You can go ahead and get on the waitlist now at krosecompany.com slash the Breeders Edge waitlist. See so we are the first to know when and how to register. How else can people support cutting fences? I know you guys have a podcast, but do you do yearly fundraisers? What else? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have been on uh, all across the state actually right now doing our Pints for Producers fundraisers, which are pint nights. Uh, we're partnering with breweries throughout the state to have a pint night, and they have been donating a dollar from every pint sold to go towards ad- more adaptive equipment for the long closet. Um, and then we usually do like a raffle or something else to gain a little extra funding. So attending those is great. The idea behind the Pines for Producers fundraisers really was to create a community-based fundraising program that really went full circle. So you're supporting the producer that supplies the brewer. You're supporting the brewer that's 
you know, brings the community together together and supports the community. And then in turn, being able to support a producer with a disability or illness. So that was really the idea of having, you know, boots on the ground fundraising and the egg community has already been amazing. Um, they have completely surpassed my expectations of showing up and supporting this. We've only, we had four fundraisers, one in Billings, one in Red Lodge, and one in Townsend and Lewistown. And within just those four small fundraisers, we were able to raise over six grand to purchase the Freedom Tracks. So it's been absolutely amazing. So that's one way is just kind of following that journey and will likely be in a community around you. I'm trying to go do some type of fundraiser in all 56 counties of our state and then go back to the county and serve at least one individual with the adaptive equipment. So that's a big goal. It's going to take a little while, but we're likely to be in your area. So that's that would be a huge support to just come out to one of those. And you can always donate um, on our website as well. I think our biggest barrier also is just continuing to gain funding to be able to purchase the, these larger pieces of equipment and, and allow them to be available. So. Well, if you want to do a fundraiser in Cowspell, just call us. We will help you with whatever we can to get the word out in the Flathead County and would be more than happy to help gather some support. Okay, we have some rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, they don't have to be short, but they're just fun questions. So the first is, what is your favorite cut of steak and how do you like it prepared? Oh, gosh. I am, you know, I just like a good sirloin and I'm usually medium well. It depends on somebody's interpretation of medium well, but that's usually what I go with. Okay, perfect. Um, what is an ag industry topic that you feel needs to be talked about more besides cutting fences department? Um... I'm always an advocate for more mental health um, in egg. I think it's really important that we start to eliminate some of that stigma. I do a little bit of it on the podcast, but I'm always an advocate for more of that. Uh, I just think it's one of those things that we don't talk about enough. I agree. And the thing I like to remind people is mental health does not have a negative or a positive connotation. Yes, I love just that. Like, it's just like physical health. It's just a statement. Because I think we can immediately think of mental health and think of the negative pieces of mental health, and it doesn't have to be negative. So it's a neutral word. Yeah, I would also say in regards to that question too, and the physical health piece, I, I, there's just not enough safety talk. We Like we've mentioned several times in, in this podcast, we need our egg producers and we need them to be healthy and well. So I think the more safety, the more we can talk about safety and really begin to prioritize it and not always, you know, let it be something that happens to somebody else, I think is really important too. Absolutely. Um, what is the best piece of advice, personal or business that you've ever been given? Hmm, that's hard. The best piece of advice, I think just, it's pretty simple, but just the people that have continued to tell me to just chase my dreams and, and be kind and, and things will follow. And, and on in regards to that too is just, I'm trying to think of how he put it. 
Yeah, I, I can't think of it. I used to have it on my desk, but basically just, uh, oh, that gratitude is your capital. And so being grateful and, and really leading through that uh, avenue has, has brought a lot to me, I think, in regards to this foundation. But just life in general is just remembering that, that I have a lot to be grateful for. And I think the stories of the clients that I help every day is a great reminder of that. Absolutely. Okay, the last one, which is kind of a fun question. So if you're doing your dream job right now, what is your other dream job that you always kind of think about in the back of your head? It doesn't have to be serious, but do you have like a non-career dream job that you think about? Oh, I think that if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, which I do feel is my dream job, I would probably work um, on a ski hill. <laughs> in some capacity, whether that was at the bar or whatever. I just, I love to ski and I love that atmosphere. So that would probably, something in regards to that. Annie F. Downs asked that once on Instagram. She asked that question and she's a Christian podcaster that I follow. And the responses were so cool. I mean, some <laughs> people, you know, said, I would be a quilter, a full-time quilter. I would be a librarian. My dad's <laughs> response is he would be an, a server at a high-end steakhouse. So I just love to ask that question and um, and help us dream a little bit on kind of the, the fringe careers that we could have in the future. So thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a really important topic. And I also think it's a topic where we think about oh, well, it's not applicable to me until it is. And so just mm -hmm. having more awareness, just being watchful for our neighbors, you know, the kids around us, all of that being a little bit more aware. I think the wor world could use a little bit more of that. And in particular, this, especially in agriculture, it is really dangerous. It's fast moving. There's lots of equipment. There's lots of that. And we need to make sure that we're providing the opportunity for everyone to be able to chase their dreams, even if the barrier to entry is a little bit harder. And so I appreciate that you're kind of working to make it easier and get these resources out into rural America. And I'm sure you have some incredible stories and hopefully someday you'll write a book and share them. Mm -hmm. But where is the best place that people can follow you and hear more about what you guys are doing? Um, so you can go to our website, which is cuttingfencesfoundation.net, and that has information on our adaptive equipment, and then all of our podcast episodes are on there, as well as Spotify and Amazon Music. And then probably, honestly, the best place to follow us is our Facebook page. Um, we're pretty active with posting um, impacts on there. So that's another great place, which is just Cutting Fences Foundation and Podcast. And then we also have an Instagram that's Cutting Fences Podcast. So that would probably be the main areas. Great. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do for the egg industry and spreading awareness. It's really, really important and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember the grass is greener where you water it.